want you to imagine this scenario. You attend worship on a Sunday morning. It's a great experience. It feels like you're able to worship in spirit and in truth. You have a great fellowship time afterwards. You're in good spirits. You then decide that you're going to go meet some people for lunch who are in worship with you. Maybe a couple other people are joining you. Um, and on your way there, the driving experience is a little less good as you're going there, and you have a couple moments where uh, maybe somebody gets a little too close, even the parking lot is a little difficult, and you have to remind yourself that you're redeemed, and your response needs to be redeemed to those people, but it's a little hard with each interaction that happens. You meet at the restaurant, and by the time you've gotten there, because of the experiences, you're moving towards from happy to grumpy at this point as you meet your friends, and the experience at the restaurant is not so great as you sit there in your Sunday finery, uh, dressed up as if you were at church. Of course, it's obvious, uh, as it often is, and then you leave grumpy uh, with no tip. <laughs> Paul writes, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. As we've gone through Galatians, and now we get to the very end of it, we've made some points that build off each other. The foundational point of many weeks ago that was that your existence does not make you a child of God. Faith in Jesus Christ makes you a child of God. We then said that children of God grow to be like the Father. Then we said children of God know their hope. Last week we said children of God walk in the Spirit. This week we add to all of that as we round it out that children of God play well together. Children of God know their, their Redeemer. They know Jesus. Children of God make up the church because they follow Jesus. So they don't go to church, they are the church. They know this. They're the people gathered together by the Spirit. And because of that, they must be able to figure out how to get along, how to encourage one another, and help, how to help one another grow as Jesus' followers. Paul made this point very decisively in our last week's text in Galatians 5, where he was talking about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. We don't want the works of the flesh to be the way we're operating. He says we are marked by fruit, and it's fruit of the Spirit. And he rounded out that section, uh, chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, by saying, since we live by the Spirit, that's the decisive mark, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The works of the flesh go behind us. The fruit of the Spirit is our mark, is what he's saying. And he continues that thought as he closes out the letter now with some encouraging words, but some cautionary words as well. And so let's go to verses 7 and 8 of chapter 6. And I do encourage you to have your Bible open as we do this. It says, Do not be deceived. This really struck me this week as I read it, it, that Paul gives this word, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Eugene Peterson, his paraphrase of this doesn't just say uh, God cannot be mocked. He says you can't make a fool of God. I mean, there's, there's strength in what Paul says here. And we have to understand how, what he's saying about being 
marked by the fruit of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh. God can't be fooled by that. You can't mock God by trying to live one way, but you're actually living the old way. In a previous church context, not this one, previous church context, I had a leader who was part of our leadership team for a time. Very kind. Uh, I liked him a lot. Um, he would come to leadership meetings and ask 800 questions. And you didn't know where it was going. You, you didn't know the finish line. You didn't know why he was asking. He just kept asking questions, obviously fishing for information. He did this all the time. He was clearly had an agenda, but we couldn't figure it out. And when he wasn't getting his way with the questions and the answers that he wanted, then he would try and manipulate things through different processes to get what he wanted. And that wasn't working either. And so he'd go back to asking questions and try and manipulate the process to get what he was going for. And finally, because he wasn't getting what he's going for, and this is classic in these cases, he had a verbal explosion all over the leadership team, verbally ralphing on the leadership team, letting us know everything that he was frustrated with that he had been trying to get to, walks out of it feeling good about himself, see you next Sunday. There's this veneer of kindness over all that he was doing. But what's underneath that? Fits of rage, some works of the flesh. God cannot be mocked. You can't put a nice veneer over it looking like the fruit of the Spirit is there when the works of the flesh are obviously at work. The integrity of the church matters. That's what Paul is, is addressing here. If we belong to Jesus, if the Spirit of the Son is in us, then we must be able to play well together. And so Paul, in these first six verses that we heard just a moment ago, he's telling us some important details about how we live together as God's people, since we're marked by the fruit of the Spirit, since we're growing in Christ and the Spirit of the Son is in us. Just to give the highlights, Paul says, you know what, is anybody caught in sin? Then gently restore them. And when he says this, caught in sin, in, uh, just prior to this, the word that's used there is, is somebody who's kind of tripped over a, a rock or kind of slipped on something slippery. If you want a better image, a banana peel, try that. But somebody who's, they're not trying to do wrong, they're trying to do right, but some temptation got them along the way. He says, has somebody slipped along the way, trying to exhibit and grow and show the fruit of the Spirit and live by the Spirit? He says, well, then let's make sure when that happens within the body of believers that we understand what the goal is. The goal is restoration, not simply condemnation. The goal is to get them back up and gently to do it. He's not talking, again, about somebody running headlong into sin saying, forget you, God, I'm going to just do what I want to do. He's saying somebody who's trying to walk the path as a brother or sister in Christ. To put it in the words of William Barclay, he says the real Christian duty is to get this person on their feet again. Paul then says, don't just gently restore when somebody stumbles along the path. He says, carry each other's burdens as God's people. God designed us for relationship. I think that becomes very clear as you read Scripture. God designed the individual with value, absolutely, but we were designed to be together in community. The early church figured this, this out very quickly, and, and the church through the ages has tried to live this way. Paul told us this from the very beginning. 
children of God are better together. That's how we're designed. At our best, the church is doing what we're supposed to do to carry each other's burdens when we're serving meals to one another when there's a need, when we're walking alongside each other when somebody has tripped up, when we're throwing baby showers, when we're doing home visits to people who can't make it out. Not just the pastors, but other people are caring for those as well. That's the church at its best, carrying one another's burdens. We're at our best when somebody doesn't just come to me and say, have you heard from such and so? I haven't heard from them in a while. And I say, why don't you call them? That would mean a lot to them. Not just if I call them, if you call them. I was talking to another pastor friend in town this week, um, and we weren't talking about the sermon, but it really related so well. As we were talking, we were asking each other, well, where are you feeling encouraged in ministry right now? We were having a great conversation about this, but it was fun to kind of talk about the fact and, and recognize as we talked about encouragement that, you know, when you get grumpy about things and when you complain about things, and certainly there are times to do those things, but when you complain, you tend to lose, I think. You, you don't get happier by complaining. You get grumpier. But when you encourage, you don't lose a thing. You gain by encouraging someone, and so do they, right? You both win, when you do that. And what's really remarkable about this particular passage uh, that struck me this week, it won't be on the screen again, but let me read verse 2. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's a fairly powerful statement, wouldn't you agree? He's, Paul's been talking about the law, and, not, and we're, we're not in bondage to the law anymore, and, and it's been under the current, under current the whole time that, that the law is fulfilled in Christ. And here he says, look, you guys can live it out too. Carry each other's burden. And that way you fulfill the law of Christ. That's a powerful statement, church. But then it goes on. And this seems like a classic Paul sort of, Paul, didn't you just tell us one thing and now you're telling us another? Because he says, carry each other's burdens. And then he says, oh, by the way, carry your own load. Wait, which is it, Paul? Are we supposed to carry each other's burdens or carry our own burdens? But the image here is like a a soldier's backpack, is what it is. And so God could easily be mocked. Let's go back to that. When we try and offload what we should be carrying onto the church, and it's not supposed to go there. I'll give you an example of, uh, not a churchy example, but of, of trying to offload something. And this, we all can do this, and we've all probably been on one side or the other of this. But I remember in college, um, I was playing timpani, kettle drums, in the orchestra. I was the only one on campus doing that. I really enjoyed it. The orchestra director really wanted me to step up and do more. It was my last semester, and I was taking far too many classes. And uh, I couldn't step up and do it. But I also didn't want to say no. And so as we're sitting there in personal conversation, um, I kept trying to put the, con- put the decision back on him. And he rightly and wisely said, I'm not the one who has to make this decision. You do. Stop putting this back on me. You've got the details. You make the decision. We can easily do this if we don't balance carrying one of those burdens, which we need to do, and understanding what is our own. It's not the church's responsibility to raise my kids. I partner together with them. We can easily try and offload too much of that to the church. It's not the church's responsibility if if I stumble along the way because I gave into temptation and they had no idea about it, but they've been walking with me. It's my responsibility. 
right? There are certain things that we have to carry. It's not my responsibility that, uh, to, to believe that the church has to make me read my Bible regularly or pray. That's my responsibility to do those kinds of disciplines. And so we need to understand how to share each other's burdens, but also carry our own load. Finally, Paul rounds it out with uh, the one who instructs, also needs to share all good things with the instructor, which has a lot to do with uh, materially taking care of those who teach within the church and, and uh, devote their lives to the church. But the bottom line is this. When ba- Paul, Paul talks about this sowing and reaping, and this is where we can go forward, Paul is telling us simply, what you sow will grow. Right? What you put in the ground is going to grow into something. And so you have to ask first and foremost, what are we sowing as God's people? Dietrich Bonhoeffer in uh, the, uh, his book Life Together says, nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. It might seem compassionate not to call a sin a sin, but we actually need to call it what it is. Paul recommends doing it gently when somebody stumbles. But let's look at what this uh, looks like within the church body, both negatively and positively, that what you sow will grow. If someone within the church body is persistently and constantly mean, and the reaction from the church body is, ah, that's just Joe, you know, he's just that way, are we at some point calling the works of the flesh the fruit of the Spirit in Joe? Are we at some point covering for that person when the works of the flesh are evident, not the fruit of the Spirit, and we're saying, but that's just how they are. You, what you sow will grow. It won't go away. If someone is doing great work within the body of Christ, really good work that deserves commendation, that's blessing other people, and as a people, the church chooses not to encourage that person, and so they eventually get discouraged and leave. What you sow will grow. We'll just have more of that going forward. If someone tills the soil, if they invite their neighbor to come and join in worship, and they arrive, and they're not greeted, and they're not welcomed, and the hospitality is, is no good, and they feel like an outsider the whole time they're here, that's probably not going to happen much more in the future. What you sow will grow. On the flip side, if someone does good work and it, it ministers to people, a thank you goes an awfully long way. Uh, you did a good job. A card means an awful lot, and potentially other people might join them in the process because the encouragement is how we operate. What you sow will grow. If we're in the business of welcoming people and people say, you know what, if I invite my friend, they're going to be welcomed here, that spirit will catch on as well. What you sow will grow. The big question that sits behind this, as Paul talks about sowing and harvesting, is what kind of harvest do we want? As God's people, what do we want to actually grow? What do we want to be able to harvest when the time comes? And so Paul says in verses 9 and 10, He says, let us not become weary in doing good, 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What kind of harvest do we want? Paul's already told us some useful things. He said, sow to please the Spirit, not the flesh. We've talked about that last week and this week. Paul's talked about this week, you know what? Call a sin a sin. Gently restore, but don't ignore the sin itself. And he's also said, just now, do good. Which would go with the first two points. To sow to please the Spirit and gently restore those who have stumbled. But if we get a little more personal about this, because if we want as a people to be able to see the harvest and sow good seed that grows to that harvest, it comes down to what we do individually, first and foremost, and and who we are as people as we gather together as the church. So the question I want to ask is, and this is a, a personal question, I've asked myself this this week a number of times working on this, am I teachable? None of this is going to do any good if I'm not teachable. If I'm not willing to, be, to allow growth to happen, am I teachable? And we might start with something simple like, do I sin? Or do I simply make mistakes? Or do I justify things? You know, like the keyboard, didn't, uh, the keyboard mistyped the word, not me, that kind of thing. But I can do that with sin. Underlying that is the question, can I accept responsibility for my own actions? That's the first part of teachability. That I can do something wrong. So something needs to change or grow. Part of that, then we can ask a further question, and not simply am I responsible and accountable for my own decisions, but do I have trusted people within my life who can actually correct me when I'm wrong? It is a bad sign if we have nobody in our lives who can do this for us. But I also want to point out, because I think Paul put a, a key thing in there to gently restore those who stumble on the path, that's important. So I'm not asking you, do you have people who are really good at hitting you with a two-by-four in the head kind of people? Maybe you need that. But I'll just tell you from my own experience, I'm glad Paul put gently in there because I've, I've discovered that the people who I can take criticism from best need to butter me up a little bit first. Right? A little butter goes a long way. I need to hear a little affirmation and then the words of, okay, we need to correct something here. Go a lot farther. They'll, they'll sink in. Paul says gently restore. I think there's something really important to that that we ought not miss. But underneath all of this teachability piece is pride. And the key question we could ask about all of this is, Am I more concerned with being right or being right with God, ultimately? I want to say that again. Am I more concerned with being right or being right with God? Am I teachable? Can I call sin, sin? Do I have people who can call me on it when it happens? I want to invite the band forward. I want to go over just a couple things at the, as we close out the message this morning two key points that we've made, then what you, sow, what you sow will grow, and children of God play well together. Paul told us very simply, do good. Do good. You have the Spirit of the Son living in you if you're redeemed. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. 
Do good. It's not the works of the flesh. A couple weeks ago, we talked about, because I, I know some of you might be surprised that I'm still here because you thought I started my sabbatical today, but I, I'm, I'm here. I start it tomorrow. And we have these little cards in your bulletin uh, that are there. If you want to take on the sabbatical challenge, challenges that I have, I'll be doing some of these. Um, and, of course, as I've said the last couple weeks, if this line, can you go toe-to-toe with Pastor Evan, uh, you're not competitive, cross it out, ignore it. And if you, you are competitive, then I don't think you can do it. And I don't care. <laughs> Obviously, I do care. But I want to talk about, uh, when I, I challenged you to memorize, that's part of cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, to put God's Word in you. Try it. It, it seems challenging to some of us, but I've already talked to some of you, have verses already charted out that you're starting to work on. We talked last week about praying, and I know this sounds like a big mystery to many of us, but frankly, schedule time to listen to God. Just go with that as your starting point. And, and the, last, the other thing we pointed out last week is to yoke yourself with another Jesus follower. Walk by the Spirit, literally. Pray with someone else. Find someone to keep you accountable who can call a sin a sin, who can gently restore you, who can help you stay on the path so that doesn't happen, who can help cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in you. Take any one of those challenges. Memorize scripture, pray, schedule it out. Yoke yourself with another believer, but try one of these so that we can walk by the Spirit together so that what we sow will grow and we're sowing good seed and the fruit grows among us. Let's pray together. God of grace, you gave the law so we would know who you are. You fulfilled the law through Jesus so we could be free from sin, to be yours in this life and eternity. We desire to sow seed that will bear fruit. We seek to be people marked by the Spirit of your Son in us, working through us, leading us as the redeemed, seeking your redemption for the people of our city. Where the works of the flesh live among us, give us the courage to root it out fully and completely. When we are convicted because of our pride and personal goals have overtaken your mission for the church, release us from that bondage to freedom again. Help us when we slip up. Encourage us when we see fruit. Grow us to be like your son, Jesus Christ. In the name of our Savior, your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.